Are you ready? Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog Podcast back for another one. I am Brian Olson. You know, when I think of my guest today, I immediately think of the most interesting man in the world from those Dos Equis commercials. However, I believe my guest can give that guy a run for his money. I mean, just listen to some of these facts. He's the owner of a thousand acre wildlife sanctuary. He's a commercial pilot with multi-engine complex and instrument ratings, a second degree black belt in martial arts. He's an advanced certified scuba diver. He started and operated Delta International, which included building an international workforce organization over 33,000, producing multi-millions of dollars in volume. He hosted a business radio talk show that was heard across U.S. and Canada, and he was a millionaire at age 23. And who is this man I'm referring to? Well, he's the founder of Givers University, and he is none other than E.A. Sokolvitz. E.A., welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much. And I want to mention uh, regarding the Dosakis host, uh, I'm still trying to master how to parallel park a train because I understand he got that one down. <laughs> well, that could be on your bucket list, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show. And I look forward to sharing with the listeners because I, I, I love your format of, you know, it, it's so easy to talk about the things people do right on podcasts, but to begin to identify the things that are broken uh, and how to fix those is uh, a spectacular service to provide for your listeners. So uh, thank you for having such a great podcast. Hey, you know, I appreciate it. It's been interesting in this woke uh, times that we're living in. You know, we get kind of 50% love, 50% kind of negativity because of that very statement that you made. But I love it. I mean, in order to fix something, you got to call it out and identify it first. So um, that's what we're all about. You know, we're all about doing that. Now, EA, I hear a distinctive Chicago accent from you. And I know that you were born in Chicago and you were actually the son of a milkman. I'd love for you to maybe to talk about your upbringings, maybe some memories of your father and how, of course, he influenced you. Love to do it. Uh, yes, uh, very discerning ear on your part. Uh, uh, born and raised uh, in the Chicagoland area. And uh, my, my father was a milkman. It was a company called Twin Oaks. And uh, back in those days, and it's funny how things come full circle. They really do. Everything comes around again. There really isn't anything new. It's all repackaged and it looks different, but it's the same coming around. And, uh, you know, when I was five years old, I was working with my father on this milkman route and uh, we would deliver back then gallons of milk were in glass containers and uh, we'd put them in the box outside someone's home that they would have there just for milk and cottage cheese and juice. And they left the money in the box and no one ever took it. It was amazing. Never happened one time. Someone, you know, the money was there in the box. Everyone knew it. If you saw a milk box, you know, and uh, so we delivered that. And, and the thing that was interesting is that I had a milkman training mindset. I mean, my father had his own business, but it was very, very small. It was basically a all the milkmen in those days, they had a distributorship. It was a milkman distributorship. So uh, he had his own route that he sort of owned, quote unquote. And uh, um, and so I had the upbringing of, you know, a milkman. I, I knew you could have your own business, and but I, the, the ability to think big, you know, it just didn't exist at that point. I thought, you know, you, you just sort of get big by being with another company. And, uh, you know, and that, and that led me to my janitorial career because my mindset was still the same, you know, and, and uh, then things began to take big changes after that. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I know at uh, an early age, in your teenage years, you did start your business career at a commission sales job, selling janitorial services to business owners. What got you interested in sales and how did you actually learn to sell? Well, I have to say the, the reason I got into sales 
was because the janitorial service I was with, one of his key guys wasn't old enough to drive yet. <laughs> it's the truth. And I turned 16 before he did. And back then in Illinois, in Chicago, when you were 16, you got your driver's license. And that was the, you know, the route of passage when you were 16, you got a guy. So on my 16th birthday, I got my driver's license. So the janitorial service owner offered me a job. It was out of Addison, Illinois. And he said, uh, why don't you come work for me? And my real primary job was to drive around the, his key guy who didn't have a license yet to all the places and clean them. And while working there, two things happened. Number one, uh, he said, you know, I, I mean, you certainly, uh, you know, you're, you're doing great you know, after I'd been there a little while and, uh, you know, was, would go in and check on the jobs after guys would clean to make sure they were done right. And I, so they called me the checker. And so he said, well, you know, why don't you, if I get calls at the office and someone wants a bid, uh, would you run the lead? And I said, yeah, well, how's that work? And he said, well, you get 10%. I said, 10% of what? And he said, well, 10% of whatever they pay. And I said, like every month? He goes, yes. I said, I'm in. <laughs> so, uh, and, and that's how I got into commission sales. I, I just sort of stumbled into it. And you want to talk about sales. Here's, you know, snot-nosed kid, 16 years old, talking to a business owner who has already had 10 janitorial services. He knows they're all the same. And I'm going to tell him why ours is better and, and, and work on strictly commission. Fortunately, uh, you know, I, I did the cleaning of bowling alleys two in the morning at the same time at the same place. And that led me to one of the most interesting persons I met in my life. One of the houses I was able to clean because I was bondable, meaning that you know, I could get insured, was for June Martino, who had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's. And of course, McDonald's was out of Oak Brook, Illinois, right? Basically where I lived. And, uh, you know, I mean, the building was right there. And she was like, you know, that was June Martino, third most controlling stock. If you ever saw the movie, uh, The Founder with uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Uh, he, he talks to a secretary who he, he's calling June. That's June Martino. That's her. I mean, obviously that's an actress, but that's the lady who I met. And I cleaned her house every week. And she was actually pretty easy to talk to, but she was like, man, she's worth so many zeros. I couldn't even count on my fingers and toes at this point. So when the day was right and she was in a really good mood, I said, June, I said, uh, you know, she knew who I was. She saw me every week and we would say hi. And that was about it. And uh, I said, June, can I ask you a question? And she looked at me, he goes, sure. You know, really easy to talk to and very approachable. And I said, uh, tell me about it. How did, how, how did it all happen? And she like looked at me and said, well, what do you mean? And I said, McDonald's. And she, Brian, she put her arm around me, brought me in the kitchen and the entire rest of the day, because this was in the morning, the entire rest of the day, all the way through the afternoon, she told me the entire McDonald's story, word for word out of her own mouth of really wow. what happened. And let me tell you, the movie is very, you know, the movie is highly skewed that Ray was a bad guy and, you know, and he was, I could put, took advantage you know, that that's drama that Hollywood put in, you know, there's a lot of opinions on that, but I can tell you, I heard from that secretary, June Martino, word for word, what happened. And one of the things she told me that was so interesting was there was a time in the beginning, Ray couldn't pay her. In fact, in the movie, they make that reference where all of a sudden he realizes he's not making any money because the small percentage he's getting, you know, is more than he's spending. Right. Uh, so th that, that time period, that was true. And, uh, and June, June said she made an agreement with Ray that instead of paying her money, he would take the bill collector calls from people dunning her <laughs> and pay her in stock in a worthless company. Because at that point, it was worthless. It was, it, there was almost no value whatsoever. 
And everyone in their family thought she was nuts. She was crazy. This guy's taking advantage of you. How could you, you know? And so I asked her, because I, I, I said, June, you know, I'm a janitor, as you know, and I get paid every Friday. And if I don't get paid on Friday, I'm not showing on Saturday. <laughs> I need to <laughs> check. I said, you know what? It, why did you do it? Why did you work for this man for nothing? And you know what was amazing, Brian? And it was, I asked her a question that no one else had asked her. And she like sat back in her chair. And I remember there was this distant look in her eyes as she was looking right at me, but I could tell she wasn't home anymore. And the next 10 seconds or 15 seconds seemed like an hour. And I'll never forget what she said, because not only what she said, but it was the way she said it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. When I asked her why she did it, her response after this long pause was because I believed in Ray. Wow. And I thought, man, I got to find me a Ray Kroc. You're right. right. <laughs> I've got to find a Ray Kroc. So someone I could believe in that could teach me and put me under their wing and I could become successful. And I would pull out a Rolls Royce out of the garage. And that was, I thought, man, people really live. This is a Rolls Royce. This thing is, this car is worth more than I'll ever make in the next three lifetimes. You know, I mean, that, that's because I was a janitor, right? Yeah. And it wasn't a couple of months later that I met my mentor who became my Ray Kroc. And it was because of that thing, that chance meeting I had, not only was it extraordinary to hear from the secretary of Ray Kroc exactly what happened word for word for hours. I mean, for hours that we were there, but then how that impacted my life and my thought process to think that, you know what, it really can happen. It's not just really about luck. There's more to it than just luck. So, I, and then subsequently I met my mentor. It was an ex extraordinary experience, Brian. It really was. Yeah. At 19, right. You met Sam yeah. Robbins. Yeah. How did that meeting happen and, and what became of it? How did you, how did he allow you to kind of latch on and be his apprentice? Well, I, I, uh, that's interesting, uh, reminiscing quest kind of question. You know, here I am again, a young kid working at the janitorial service, same one I'd been working at. And we got a phone call at the office late in the evening of a guy who was open a jewelry store, a diamond store in the area in Berkeley, Illinois, suburb of Chicago. And uh, he, he wanted a, a price on some carpeting for this jewelry store. And uh, only the boss and I were at the office at that point. And he said, hey, can you give me, can you run out there and show this guy some carpeting? And I said, Jerry, I don't know anything about carpeting. I, nothing about it. I mean, he goes, well, here's a roller wheel. Walk this way, this way. Call me on the phone. Give me the coded number on the back, which I found out later on was actually our, our price, our cost of the carpeting. And he said, now quote it over the phone. And I said, Jerry, I already punched out. I punched out already. And he goes, I'll tell you what, if you go, I'll give you your pick of your Saturday off. So here I am going to meet unbeknownst to me, my mentor that's going to totally change my life. And I'm going there, Brian, begrudgingly, only because I get to pick my next Saturday off. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about the, the changes in life that are on the thin edge of a dime and the most spectacular changes that happen at our most unexpected moments. And so here I am begrudgingly just because I'm going to get to pick my Saturday off. And I meet this guy and it was like I met him before. We sat down and talked about everything but the carpeting. I mean, it was just, it was just that feeling like I knew this guy already. So he offered me a job. I said, man, I don't know anything about diamonds. What I, all I know is someday some lady's going to ask me for one. I know they're expensive. And besides that, I'm already, my life path is all set. I'm going to be a success. I'm a janitor. 
I, I can always, you know, people are going to make messes and I can clean it up. So my path is all set. And he hooked me. He hooked me as I was walking out the door. And it wasn't until years later, I realized how on purpose he really was. And uh, as I was walking out the door, he said, what do you have to lose? You can always go back being a janitor if it doesn't work. And I, I said, oh, no, I'm all set. Thank you. Anyway, I walked out the door. And uh, never, by the way, showed him a couple of carpet samples, never even sold it to him or anything because it wasn't nearly what we had commercial carpeting. They wanted you know some nice plush stuff or diamond star. And uh, so I left, got halfway home. Now it's almost midnight. And I thought, oh, you know what? And it was bugging me what he said. And I, and you know, and he was right on the money when he asked it. So I, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go find out what he meant. So I turned the car around. I thought, oh, he's gone already. He was leaving next morning for the airport. And uh, he was still there. And I said, okay, what do you have in mind? I don't know anything about this stuff. He goes, well, I can teach you. By the time I was 21, I was chairman of the board of that company. And I used to get in the car at four o'clock in the morning. And I would drive from Chicago to Detroit, which at that point was exactly 301 miles. And uh, I would meet with him on Saturday for about six hours, get back in the car and drive all the way back to Chicago. And I did that every single weekend, all in the same day for four months in a row and never missed a weekend because I valued, I, I knew he knew something and I wanted to learn what it was. And I was, I just wanted to be a sponge. He was happy and I could tell he was financially successful. I didn't realize how much is so at that point, because, you know, he, he hadn't shared some of the things with me that I learned years later on when we were in business together. And it was an extraordinary experience. And he became, Brian, like the father I never had, even though I had a father. And I became like the son he never had, even though he had a son. He could start a sentence. I could finish it. And we became that close. And it was, he was the man that changed my life in such an incredible way. And he started to work with me and rewire some of those burnt out wires I had in my mind. The, the, the son of a milkman janitor thought process I had, my mindset was broke. It was just, it was not in the right place. And he began teaching me some of those processes, even while I was going on in my business and, you know, get about get ready for probably my, my three biggest major defeats going down the road. And, and thank God I was able to learn from him in the meantime to help recover from those defeats when they happened. It's amazing. You know, you took that chance encounter and really, you know, maximized the fact that you know, he was there, you were there, you really took advantage of the opportunity. What do you think he saw in you initially to be able to make that connection and to give you that chance? I, I have to say that, uh, you know, I, I never asked him that specific question. You know, what did you see in me? But there was an immediate comfort that was unspoken between the two of us. Like we were just destined to have this relationship of this mentor. And, and, and he, and, and clearly I had conveyed to him that, give it to me. I want you to know, take me. I'm yours. I, I want to learn it all. Whatever it is, I promise I will not, you know, think the janitor way as, as if you can help re, rewire me and, and show me where, you know, what's different between the June Martinos in life that I met. I knew she was real and she was easy to talk to. It wasn't like she was some snobby, super powered person. It wasn't that at all. I thought I, I'm missing something somewhere. What's that thing I'm missing? And I think he felt that I wanted that and my burning desire. And the test was, you know, the four months, would I drive from Chicago to Detroit every single Friday night, Saturday morning in the car and do it every single weekend for four months? If I really did that, 
he knew I was serious and had the desire, which was going to be, you know, one of those cornerstones in, in my life. And then I think it was those demonstrations of desires, not necessarily the spoken word, but I think, uh, you know, the, the evidence that I really had a burning desire that I, I wanted to become happy and I wanted to become rich. And at that point, really, I was more interested in being rich than happy. And I didn't realize I, I, I had that backwards too. <laughs> First, you got to be happy. Then you're going to be rich. <laughs> yeah. So he was kind of testing your commitment yeah. level, your dedication. Do you think For a sure. lot of people are missing that today? The fact that you went out seeking guidance, you know, you were so willing, your work ethic was there, your belief was there, your mindset was locked in. You really wanted to get with somebody who can take your career to the next level. Do you think that's missing today from people? Yes. I, I think people are so interested in, I want to look like I know it all already, that that works against them. And they don't realize that, you know, it, the first will be last and the last will be first. And the person who has the ability to say, well, what do you mean by that? Or, you know, and, and in a truthful way, not in an argumentative way, but right. you know, teach me your thought process on that. And, 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 and to, you know, sort of humble down a little bit and, and really making an educational experience and people open up a lot more. So Brian, I absolutely agree. It's a huge thing. And, and even what happens with us at Givers University, we teach something no one else teaches today. And it, it goes directly to the relationships, directly to how people aren't discerning some of the things they should be. And they only work on one third and they miss the other two thirds of the equation through their entire life. No, it's absolutely correct. I'm glad you mentioned that. What do you think led to your success? Now, I know you became a chairman in the organization, right? So, I mean, think about it. You were selling janitor supplies as a teenager, eventually starting and operating Delta International. I mean, managing a team and building a team of 33,000, millions of dollars in revenue. 23 years old, you're a millionaire. What do you attribute that to? How did you find success? What separated you from the rest? Um, I, I would say overcoming my three major defeats in my life and turning those into stepping stones. And, and these are the major kind of devastating, like there's no way in the world that happened and it just happened. And the ability to discern, which is one of the things I had to learn through these three major defeats, I ended up writing a book as a result of each defeat to help me work through it and to learn and or put down what my mentor had taught me. And one of the things that I found that was very, very interesting is that we talk about self-improvement a lot. You know, self-improvement courses everywhere. And guess what? I'm a self-improvement geek, right? I mean, I'm into it. I like it. Hour a day, you know. But the two-thirds that were not taught is what about the other guy? No one teaches us about how do you discern the relationships you should have in business and the ones you shouldn't. And that led us to the founding of Givers University because it, it, we, we used, Brian, the term giver and taker, Yes, but that is not the label of a person. You know, I always tell the people up front, we love everybody across the board. We love everybody. What we do is we distinguish the person from their deeds and we label their deeds, not the person. There's a big difference there. We separate them. We love everybody. So a giver, when we say someone's a giver, we're, we're identifying their deeds, not the person who we love. And when we identify a taker, we're not identifying a person, we're identifying the deeds. And no one teaches us how to discern these. You know, how do you find out which people you should be in business with? So, and, and your social life, your family life, your business life. And there's those people that bring with us, that bring with them, I mean, 
the takers, if you will. And again, I'm labeling deeds, not a person. The taker brings with them always defeatism, disruption, and destruction. We call those the three Ds of takers. And think about, and I ask your listeners, think about the challenges you have in life now. And I bet, I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that the majority of those challenges have to do with other people, not yourself. And no one teaches that. How do you manage that? How do you look for? And how do you see, you know, what, what's the checklist that you have, which you, we ultimately devised? These are the 30 habits of givers. And these are 30 habits of takers. And when you see these, begin to discern, hey, you know what? This is a person because of these habits they have. I want to bring them in closer to me. And I want to make them a part of my giver community. I'm going to give to them. They're going to give to me. Or by contrast, here's a person Wow, I'm watching what they're doing, and these—they're, you know—they're really hitting heavy on the 30 habits of takers. I may want to respectfully distance myself from this person; otherwise, they're going to bring with them one of the three Ds, and I'm going to be occupied and preoccupied with so much time stamping out fires that they create that are not of my doing. When it would have been way better simply to have respectfully distanced myself from their deeds and surround myself with the right kind of people. So the two-thirds, Brian, that we profess is how do you discern the givers from the takers in so social life, in business, family, all the parts of our life? 20% of the population are givers. They're just wired that way. They're just wired. You put them in any situation, Brian, and they're going to figure a way of giving and investing to it. And I guarantee your listeners right off the top of their head can think of one or two people they know that are like that. By contrast, 20% of the population are takers, taker deeds. No matter what position you put them in, they will craft a way to take from it mentally, emotionally, monetarily, spiritually, name it, they're takers. That's the way they're wired. That's what they do. Now we accept them and we love them but we can respectfully distance ourselves from their deeds, which are going to, they're going to bring with all these three Ds that we're constantly be stamping these fires out. And the 60% in the middle, Brian, we call those fencers. They act like givers when they're with givers. They act like takers when they're with takers. And these are great relationships, but you're going to need to watch them and manage them. So we get into these relationships. What are the 25 do's that givers should be doing? What are the 25, what are the 30 habits that givers do and takers do? And then in the third book, we talk about, you know, the, uh, what are the four questions that every giver should ask themselves before they make any decision or action that almost makes it look like they can predetermine what the results will be. And it's just questions people don't ask themselves to begin to discern. And that's why I loved when we first started talking here in, in uh, this interview, when you mentioned that. You know, some of the people don't necessarily like some of the things you say because, you know, you sort of call it out. And, and, and that's one of the things that happens with takers. When they get revealed, they don't like it. <laughs> they don't like getting revealed. But you have to ask yourself, there's a way of respectfully distancing yourself and still love them as a person, as a human being. Right. Just, you know, I'm not into what they're doing. And that two thirds that no one's training on today, the impact on a life can be the earning income is 300% because I know in my life from my defeats from takers that caused me to learn these things and implement also what my mentor taught me. And I have to share with you, you know, it, it's just not being taught anywhere today. Everything's self-improvement, look in the mirror, look in the mirror. 
but no one's saying, you know what? How many things am I dealing with that it's not me? It's the other guy. And that's a big question to ask. So, but if they're spending time with the other guy, essentially that is them, right? I mean, because they are the ones wasting time with that person. Now, what if we have a family member, right? That's a, that's a taker. We don't want to avoid our family, right? I mean, do you in the university teach takers to become givers or do you take givers and just amplify their giving and have them avoid the takers? Well, great question. And, And what's more important than family, right? I mean, we teach right on that point, the five priorities in life are intelligent design, family, and then after family, then we get into country, business, and self. And those are the five primary. And notice self is fifth, not first. And family is number two, right? After intelligent design. And we and this is so important because, you know, what do you do in those instances where you have this family member who has their hand out all the time? Or you, you just, you can tell they're just a problem child all the time. And that doesn't mean they're necessarily your child. It could be aunt, uncle, friend, whatever, right? What do you do then? What do you do with these people? Well, first of all, we want to respectfully distance ourselves from their deeds and still love the person and then help them provide some of the things. And that's one of the reasons why we formed Givers University to do just that. These three books I mentioned, which are three online courses as well, audio courses, is called Give to Be Great. That's the name of the whole series of the three books. The first one is The Giver's Mindset, second, Giver's Lifestyle, third, Giver's Lifelong Learning. That whole series is called the Give to Be Great series. And what we do is we teach people that, you know what, if you want to be a giver, you can, and maybe you're just in temporary taker mode. And if you look at these parts of your life, because on these checklists that we have, the 25 do's, the 30 habits, one of the things that we mention in the courses is to self-evaluate as well. How are we individually gauging ourselves? And this is a great way to share it with someone else and say, hey, you know, here's a thing to take a look at. And it's a, it's a great self-improvement, self-gauging, self-assessing kind of thing. And through the course of that, if they're open to it, they can go from temporary taker mode into giver mode. Interesting. How do you distance yourself from a deed and not the person? Maybe you can talk about the difference between the two. Great question. The first thing is to identify, you know, they identify the deed you know, not the person themselves, not the the individual. What are they doing? And that's why in the first book called the 25 do's. These are the things they do. Look for the results that they're doing. And your question goes to the discerning of causal versus symptomatic. Example, if I had a cold right now, the symptoms would be, you know, I might have my eyes might be itchy, itchy nose might be runny, right? Those are symptoms. The cause is the cold. You can see my symptoms. And because of my symptoms, you can guess, I probably have the cold, right? I probably have a cold. So what we first do is we have to learn how to discern those deeds, which are the symptoms, to find out what is the cause, which is the person. The first thing is that mindset, the the thoughts that manifest themselves causally, into these symptoms, which ultimately become their deeds. So we begin to distance ourselves by discern, by realizing what they are. Here's the example. If you were going to buy a green car, it's interesting how all of a sudden, right before you buy it, you notice how many green cars there are on the street. <laughs> Up until that point, you never realized how many green cars are on the street. You're getting ready to buy one. Now there's green cars everywhere. Why? We weren't focused on it. We didn't, we didn't laser beam in on that. So by learning 
how to do just what you mentioned to separate the cause from the symptoms, the deeds from the person, learning what those deeds are so we can recognize them and then begin to distance ourselves. Say, you know, I just don't want to participate. You can be in business with these people and, and we're going to, but you don't want to have them in close. You don't want to have a taker that's in close, what we call your giver community that you want to have. And then you want to have your like super close giver community. And these people are going to give to you constantly and you're going to give to them constantly. That doesn't mean we just isolate people and, and that's not the intent. In fact, we cover that in the course. You know, we love everybody. Discern their deeds, look at the symptoms. And when you see these symptoms, then you want to little by little, just not engage quite as much as you would with other people because of what these other people are going to bring to the table and what you can give to them as a giver. So in other words, if you have a family member who, you know, let's say every day at four o'clock gives you a call because they want to whine and complain about their day. You know, misery loves company, as you know, and they're yes. kind of like you're the bartender, right? Except you're not getting paid for it. So <laughs> they're, you know, they're kind of an emotional time sucker. Yeah. And it's just yeah. You know, that on and on and on. And, and so with that individual, your perspective would be, listen, just don't take the call, avoid them at all costs, or maybe limit that. Like, how would you deal with a situation like that example? Well, uh, case in point, right on, Brian, as usual. One of the 30 habits of takers, one of the 30 habits is eliminates or lowers the rate of vibration level of a person or a group. That's exactly what you just got through saying. You talk with this person on the phone and it's just like the energy, you can feel it going out the phone as they're pulling it from you and you hang, hang up the phone. You go, man, what do we even talk about other than the fact that I feel spent, right? Right, right. Hey, so that's one of the habits, see? So what happens in that instance, that, that literally, I gave you verbatim, one of the 30 habits of takers in the second course. They eliminate or lower the vibration of a person or a group. And you feel that happen. By contrast, the giver will elevate that vibration. You feel recharged when you meet with them. So what you do with them is you start to craft ways to respectfully distance yourself and also share with them information share with them information that might cause them to think a little bit about, you know, we have a whole section on the pity party and, and you know, the woe is me, woe is me. And, 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 you know, and no one wants to, no one wants to be a guest at a pity party yet. All these people want to keep inviting everyone. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so respectfully distance yourself, not be quite as available for the phone calls and also share with them alternatives and say, you know, I, and, and sometimes it's okay having a cup of coffee. So I'm saying, I've got to tell you, I love talking to you. I love you as my family member, whatever it is. I totally love you. I, I, I think you're great. But when we talk on the phone, you just pull the energy out of my life and let me share with you what I learned. And you give them something to listen to, or you listen to, you give them to listen to, you know, if someone's taking a course, they can even say, here, listen to this 15 minute segment on, uh, on your audio, on your phone, you know, put in your ear pods and just listen to this for a second. And, you know, especially that section and, and, and see if it hits home with them when they say, man, you know, nothing's coming out of this other than you're sharing with me the first D of a taker. What is that? Defeatism. That's it. Woe is me, the world, you know, I'm, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, you know, and, and, and so the best thing is to share with them. And that's why, you know, we have things in print form and also audio, just so you can share with them an audio recording and say, listen. Yeah, to this. No, absolutely. absolutely. Give me, give Some of those people, thoughts. it's tough to kind of get a word in edgewise, right? Those are people that, uh, you know, it's all one-sided conversation. We've all been there, but, you know, yeah. you mentioned EA, you know, the defeats that you've been a part of in your life, that you've experienced. 
and would love just to hear about maybe one of them, you know, one of those defeats as an example and what you learn from it. And maybe you can share some wisdom with our audience because obviously a lot of people listen to this are entrepreneurs or professionals and they've dealt with losing, they've dealt with mistakes, they've dealt with failure. And some people can handle it more than others, but some people, they make the same mistake thinking that will lead to a different outcome. Would love to get your perspective on you because you've been so successful, but you've dealt with adversity. Maybe a, uh, one of the defeats is more memorable and then how you were able to overcome it moving forward. I, I would love to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll share the middle one, if you will, because there's three major ones. And uh, the, the second one was quite astonishing and I think it'll be direct to some of your listeners. And what I'm about ready to say is not to be braggadoce, but to share with your listeners how fast things can come into your life and how fast they those same things can leave when you have the wrong people around you in your own community. And, and you mentioned that, you know, with this business relationship I have with my business mentor when we started this firm. And at the ripe old age of 33 years old, that was the first year in my life in 1989, a long time ago already. Whew. At 33 years old, that was the first year that I had after taxes, after I'd paid all my taxes, I had a million dollars left in my pocket in actual money that year. It was the first year I earned a million dollars after tax. In today's dollars, it's well over $2 million. And that's at 33 years old. I had two corporate aircraft, became a commercial pilot to fly my own planes, had a limo and a personal full-time valet. I wasn't even driving myself. I was being driven around in my own limo. Now you could imagine a 33-year-old living life like that, like there's no tomorrow and it's going to last forever. And, and, and I just, and I thought it was going to last, you know, we're in 20 countries and we've got this huge company that we've built and success is everywhere and it's going to go on forever. Unless you have a couple of the wrong people around you. And the president of that company, I was paying him a million dollars a year and bought him, Brian, as his company car, I bought him a silver spur Rolls Royce. Wow. That was his company car. And then I learned about a thing called greed. A company car of a Rolls Royce wasn't enough for him. The million a year wasn't enough for him. And he crafted, by being in taker mode, a way to systemically and very covertly over a period of time to take over the company and literally destroy it and me in the meantime. And every one of those things I mentioned to you left and were gone. Mm. And I learned, and this was a, this brought about the second book, The Giver's Lifestyle, because I realized, man, what is this? This is the second time something like this has happened to me. This is the second big defeat, right? But I've got to stop this from happening. It's just chewing me up, you know, and I, to go through all this thinking is forever and your lifestyle goes up proportionally and you feel like you feel, Brian, like you're King Midas, right? Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you are I was totally humbled. Uh, you know, only to be greater, uh, humbled to a greater extent with my third defeat. And, but as a result of this, I learned that it was the lifestyle. There were things I should have been watching for. There's things I didn't know to look for that this man was doing. And if I would have watched his habits and knew what those habits were to look for, I didn't know the symptoms. I didn't know, Brian, what the watery eyes looked like. I didn't know what the runny nose looked like. So I didn't know causally. He was being a taker because he was really good at looking like he was a giver. Wow. And, and he was very good at what he did. And 
It was a great learning experience. And I can share with you with every one of my defeats, every one of them was a blessing because I, I believe what Napoleon Hill once said, and he said, every adversity carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. And I can share with you that is absolutely unequivocally the truth. But the key is, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as one of your listeners, through all of the defeats in their life, through all of the times they're going to learn, there's three things they should always, always say to themselves. I will never give up. I will keep rising up. And I will always overcome. And those three things, every one of your listeners should begin to say to themselves because they're going to have things, they're going to have defeats. And when you turn them into stepping stones, each time you get higher and you see more and your life becomes even more blessed than the first time. You know, EA, this is amazing because you took all of those learnings and all those experiences and attributed to the fact that, you know, like in business, you know, we have managers or we have you know, a board of directors, or we have coworkers that if you can identify these behaviors, the fact that they are takers, you can really avoid some of these mistakes and these failures by understanding the dynamic of the relationship and acting accordingly. It's so amazing. And that's why you founded Givers University to empower people like in business and life and in general on how to identify these people or deeds, the takers, and understand what could happen if you proceed a certain way and go a certain direction. I think it's unbelievable. Now, I, you know, I used to have, I was telling you this offline that I had a banner on my desk for a couple of years and it said, you know, givers have to set limits because takers don't have any. And mm -hmm. you just basically reflected that. I mean, nothing was enough. You weren't appreciated. The person went out there and literally took the company by force, you know, covertly. So I got to say, yeah, this yes. is fantastic knowledge and wisdom from you. How do people, you know, I'd love to, to let everyone know how you can understand more about Givers University, how you can learn more and connect and get some of the information, maybe even the books you were talking about. Thank you. We actually have a real simple way to get to know each other. And we invite every one of your listeners to do a simple seven question quiz and it's called, what is your givers and takers awareness IQ? And it's a simple seven question quiz, literally five minutes or less. And what, and, and they'll learn some things about themselves. They may not have realizes, uh, realized, I should say, and their ability to observe and their awareness level and their IQ of what other people do as opposed to themselves. It's a, the quiz is about other people, but our ability to discern what other people are doing and observe those things. And it's a simple, simple five minute or less, seven questions. And then from that, we will share with them things about Givers University. Um, we'll share, we'll give them some free downloads that they can use immediately in their life that will help them begin with that discerning process. Um, because on the tail of what you had mentioned, Brian, we also believe the following. When you are a giver, People can take advantage of you, but you are never diminished. People can take advantage of you, but you are never diminished because it will come back to you from another source and another person, not the person who seemingly took from you, who actually ultimately, the truth be known, took from themselves, 
not from you. So if someone takes the quiz, we want, we invite all of your listeners to do it and it'll start the relationship and we invest in them right away with sharing with them some downloads that they can use. It's all free. We want them to benefit because we want their lives to become happier and more prosperous. They can do the quiz, go to a simple URL. It's givers, plural, giversuniversity.info. So giversuniversity.info. And as soon as they go there, the quiz pops up. They're actually on the page with the first question. And and Brian, feel free to participate in it. And, uh, you know, John, uh, Ken, and, and we recommend with all your listeners, because this is the two thirds, I think that no one is really teaching. I haven't seen it out there yet. You know, no, I love they go into some of the psycho, the psycho babble stuff, but the application of down, what do I do? What exactly do I look for? And that's what we like to provide. So it's giversuniversity.info. Do the seven question quiz, enjoy it, love it. And we look forward to giving back to every one of your listener every way we can, Brian. You know, it's so unique. And you mentioned the psycho babble people and those people are takers themselves most of the time, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. The only way they could say less would be by talking more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. Now, you know what? Yeah. I'll tell you, we got one last question. Just, to, you know, it's just a personal question just to get to know you just a little bit better. So yep. you're going to go and live on a private Island for the rest of your life in total peace and tranquility. You can only bring one book, one movie and one album. What would they be? Uh, the book would be the Bible. No question about that. Now that would be the book. There you um, go. The movie. I don't know. I got to tell you, I like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I like the Lord of the Rings. And the album, probably be the soundtrack from the Lord of the Rings. I mean, I just... Uh, hey, there you go. I, yeah, you were 10 years before somewhere instead of an island. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, it's been wonderful. How can people get to know you personally? Is there a, anywhere they can connect with you yourself? Uh, yes. Well, I'm around LinkedIn. Go to Givers University. Uh, that That's the... Uh, um, you know, the link for uh, LinkedIn, just literally just type in Givers University um, and also do the quiz. If they do the quiz, all the contact information for Givers University is in there. If they have some for me personally, just put it in the subject line and it'll come to me. And because we invest in relationships. I One of the things I love, Brian, is to compel over the years. I've made it so that people had to do business with me because we invested in them so much that it became almost a moral obligation. And, you know, if we are have people around us that invest in us that much, those are win-win perfect relationships. Those are That's the giver community we want. So do the quiz. That's the best way. And the, all the contact information is in there. And we'd love to hear from every one of your listeners in any way that we can give and help their life. We are there. I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Givers have to unite, right? Yes. <laughs> I totally believe right. in that. And then, like you say, the moral obligation to do business because you have a servant leadership mentality. I, I absolutely love it. EA, it's been great. Have a wonderful day. Let's keep in touch and definitely keep up the good work. Brian, thank you so much. And uh, bless your listeners. I, I hope they all just uh, have great, prosperous lives. And I hope they circulate your podcast so others can listen and benefit by you know, being willing to look at the parts, the cogs that are broke. That's why I loved your name. When I first saw the name of your podcast, I man, this is great that no one wants to talk about the parts that are broke. They all want to, you know, uh, do kumbaya together. I know, right? <laughs> and, and and I just love not only your format, but also the way that you're doing it and providing this great service. So I hope your listeners share your podcast with others and they're going to be doing them a favor and giving to them by sharing your podcast 
uh, with them. So thank you, Brian, for having me as a guest. Fantastic. Yeah, have a good one there, sir. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.